What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Sports Yak Podcast is powered by... Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets. Also buy Pyramid Equipment. Be prepared this winter season by checking the condition of your snow removal equipment. Pyramid Equipment is a locally owned business in Rolling Prairie, Indiana that sells, services, and installs residential and commercial grade snow plows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid Equipment is your trusted dealer of Meyer and Snowdog products. Old man winners ready. Are you? Service discount for military, fire, and police available. Call 800-833-2591 or find them on the web at PyramidEquipmentInc.com. And now, here we go, maniacs. From South Bend, Indiana, you know where that's at. I don't. It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freeby. I'm the booth announcer, Jim Shorts. That's good. And welcome to episode 157 of Sports Yak. Oh, it's the Icebox Chamberlain episode. That sounds like a nickname. You think? <laughs> There were some that thought the former pitcher of the St. Louis Browns, Cincinnati Reds, Louisville Colonels, among others, got the nickname because he stayed cool under pressure. There are others that say he got it because he was just flat out lazy. Either way, he won 157 big league games. Finished, Corey finished, 236 of his 301 big league starts were complete games. And all Icebox Chamberlain also was the last ambidextrous pitcher of the 19th century. You know what? Uh, the word icebox does not come to mind when I think lazy. I don't... Was that I, maybe the, the time of the day back then? Like, that was what they would consider that? I don't... That doesn't sound lazy to me. Lazy sounds lazy to me. Yeah, but that's not a good nickname. What was his last name again? Chamberlain. Lazy Chamberlain. No. Icebox. Icebox. Mm. 
There you I, go. I think of ice running through the veins. Nothing rattles him. Well, that seems to be what most people went with. The task at hand. The ice box. Let's start with college football. Notre right. Dame, Virginia Tech. Pair of five and two teams at the stadium. Ironically enough, Virginia Tech was just ramshackled by Duke about a month ago. And they bounced back with three straight wins and had a bye week to prepare. Now you've got a Notre Dame team that was ramshackled by Michigan last week. And now can they bounce back and find an their way? Chuck, do you think? Well, I mean, this game would obviously maybe prove that. But, you know, what was it? We've had some time now to kind of look back. I mean, just a stain on the old bedsheet of college football? I just think that, first of all, it was clear that they were ill-prepared. Now, some of that falls on the coaching staff. Some of that falls on the players and their mindset. I think fall break and a few days away uh, maybe did some harm to this Notre Dame team. Okay. And they weren't probably as physical in practice as they needed to be. Now, we're told that this week, both Tuesday and Wednesday, the ones went against the ones at Notre Dame practice, that they are going to come out and get back to this physical identity that the Irish say they have. Now, when you say the ones take on the ones, the best of the best on the The, team? The offense, the number one offense goes against the number one defense. Okay. We're not trying to build confidence here. We're trying to go mano a mano. Okay. So... We'll see. I mean, Virginia Tech's not a bad team. They've got a quarterback named Hendon Hooker who has made three straight starts and averaged about 40 points a game in those starts. Virginia Tech has been in some really close contests, including a six-overtime game with North Carolina. Uh, They came in here three years ago and beat the Irish under the same head coach, Justin Fuente, who came to Virginia Tech from Memphis. So I don't think they're going to come in and be intimidated by the Notre Dame atmosphere or anything like that. Notre Dame's going to have to come out and establish themselves. I think a quick start is imperative in this game for the Irish to rebuild their confidence. The language we've heard is, I'm here for a national championship. Mm-hmm. You're 5-2. and two. What's the point now? Like, what's, what's, what's the goal now if you're the head coach? Well, and... Brian Kelly alluded to that Monday in his press conference. He says, I want to find out what's your why. Why are you here? Why do you keep showing up? I think, for one, too much emphasis is put on the national championship. Corey, in 20 years, the last 20 years, there's been one northern school to win the national championship, and that's Ohio State. Everybody else has been either an SEC team, USC, Texas, or Clemson. That's the list. So it's really hard for a Northern school to win the national championship. And one reason is the bulk of the talent from the high school ranks is in the South, and they want to stay at home. Okay. So that's one reason. The second is I think you have to look at the big picture on things. As much of a critic as I am sometimes of Brian Kelly, and the 4-12 and record during his tenure against ranked teams deserves criticism. The fact of the matter is, even with that debacle in Ann Arbor last week, they are 27-6 and six in their last 33 games. Now, Kelly had one other stretch like that from 2012 to 2014 where he went 27-6 and six over 33 games. And do you know the last time before that it happened at Notre Dame? I do not. 1991-93 to 93 with Lou Holtz. 
So it's been a long time coming to have a streak this good. Mm-hmm. And I understand fans not wanting to lose to a rival in an embarrassing fashion. I get that. However, I think sometimes you have to take a step back and say, as an Irish fan, you've still got it pretty good. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing to consider. During Brian Kelly's tenure at the University of Notre Dame, now part of that was under the old BCS system where you just had a national championship game, top two teams. For the last five years or so, we've had the college football playoff where you've had four teams. So let's take that tenure. And how many teams do you think qualified for either the BCS championship game or the playoff more than Notre Dame over his tenure? Tell me. No, take a guess. Oh, geez, I don't even know. I have no idea. Three. Three? Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. Mm. Not even vaunted Ohio State, Mm -hmm. who had Urban Meyer there for seven years, has done it more. They've done it as often, twice in that 10-year period. So do you think it's a better talking piece to say, we want to win football games and graduate young adults? Would that be better? I think that's... I understand you're trying to pander to your base, and your base is an alumni group and the Subway alumni. But the fact of the matter is, when you put that out as the goal and you failed to reach it for 31 years, then it kind of makes you look foolish. Okay. Mm, Purdue football. Purdue has a home game with Nebraska. Purdue has its back against the wall. If they want to qualify for a bowl game, they have to win out which means they have to beat a 500 Nebraska team playing at home. Purdue's offense with the loss of Elijah Sindelar and Rondale Moore has been, well, almost non-existent at times. Jack Plummer has had a couple of good games. They've got an exciting receiver in David Bell. They have virtually no running game right now. And uh, one-dimensional teams really find it hard to win football games. Can Purdue win at home against Nebraska? You'll find out tomorrow at noon on Pulse FM. How about tomorrow night, about 7 o'clock? Well, let's see what happens down at Memorial Stadium. Let's see if the Indiana faithful finally put their fannies where their mouth is because their fannies have not been in Memorial Stadium very much. And Tom Allen has asked fans to pack the rock. Northwestern's not really good, kids. This should be a win for Indiana. They should go to 7-2. and two. When was the last time an Indiana team was 7-2? and two? I don't know, but I'll tell you, it doesn't happen very often. So if you're a member of the Hoosier faithful, you should get down there like Jeremy Marsh from Warsaw will because he won tickets on Pulse FM. <laughs> uh, let's segue to college basketball. Notre Dame and Bellarmine? Bellarmine. Bellarmine is the alma mater of John McLeod. Oh. that That is... Their claim to fame, I suppose. Okay. And it's a team relatively close by, and Mike Bray just trying to build some confidence for his team coming off a a very difficult season last year before they go down to North Carolina next week. So just a little tune-up for the Irish as they get set for this one. Um, We'll see what kind of tinkering Mike does with the lineup, if any. This is just kind of a, a last chance to get guys some playing time against somebody else before the season starts. Purdue has one of these tonight as well. They're at home at Mackey Arena against Southern Indiana. So the first glimpse at Matt Painter's team without Carson Edwards 
you can hear that game on Pulse FM tonight at 8 p.m., perhaps while you're out and about. Back in the Mackey tonight. Yes. Uh, before we jump into high school football, mm-hmm. our pop culture segment coming up, Chuck. Emmy Award winning, former investigative reporter, director of the 2017 documentary Score, a documentary about film soundtracks. Wow. The creator of the new podcast, Blockbuster, hmm. Matt Schrader on the program. Okay. Super nerdy, strap in. So for those of you who are here for the sports talk, we'll give you the sounder as to when to just shut it down for the day, right? But if you love your sports talk <laughs> and you love your Star Wars, oh, hang on, kids. So in other words, TJ Freebie, hats off to thee, and happy birthday to the Teach, by the way. He's 18 today. 18 years old. I had a moment for you this morning. Did like, you? Aw. All the birds are almost out of the nest. I woke him up with the, the Beatles. Did you? This morning. <laughs> you say it's your birthday? Well, happy birthday to you. All right. High school football. Big night. Oh, man. What a night. Uh, let's let's go from... Let's bounce up. It, we'll do it just like we did our preview yesterday on social media. We'll, we'll get to the 46th game of the week last. Okay. Uh, let's... Start down in 1A, a a game that really we haven't talked about at all, North Judson at Winnemac. This is a big rivalry down in Stark and Pulaski County. Uh, These two schools typically do not like each other very much. Blue Jays have to go over and face the Warriors tonight. Uh, Interesting battle. The winner likely gets Culver in the sectional finals, although the Cavaliers lost their starting quarterback uh, to an injury. He's out with an ACL, and so... Uh, Mike Zayner's got some work to do up there at Culver to get them past South Central tonight. But North Judson and Winnemac, pretty even matchup. You go into 2A, um, Rochester has their hands full. They've got number one, Lewis Cass. The winner of that game faces the winner of LaVille Bremen. That's an old Northern State Conference game. Uh, LaVille won in the regular season by about 18. I think that's about the margin I would look for tonight. (coughs) The other game in... 2A to keep an eye on is Fairfield and Prairie Heights. What a job Matt Thacker has done at Fairfield. They didn't win a game last year. He could pick up his sixth win of the year, guarantee them at least a 500 season, and take them into a sectional final if he can beat Prairie Heights tonight, a team that's only won two games all year. Wow, no no wins to six. Yeah, that's, that's something. an impressive job by not only the coach, but the players down there at Fairfield. Yeah. And now let's go into 3A. Uh, if I weren't at Rice Field tonight, I would want to be in Ligonier. Marion ranked number four in Class 3A, taking on West Noble, ranked number seven. The Chargers of West Noble are undefeated. They've got nine all-conference players in the lineup. Uh, they've got the Pruitt brothers. They've got the coach's son, Kyle Mahorder, at quarterback. They've got some weapons, and they've got a pretty solid defense that holds teams to 11 points a game. Marion says we'll see that defense and we'll raise you the number one scoring defense in the state of Indiana, giving up five points a game. And they've got a pretty good quarterback in Maddox Begonia, who has been surprisingly accurate this year, completing about 60% of his passes. So a great game down in Ligonier tonight. I'll give my buddy Angelo a plug. He's got that game on his station 95-7 tonight if you're so inclined. Also in 3A tonight, you've got Jimtown at Tippecanoe Valley. Do you know how many times Tippecanoe Valley has beaten Jimtown in its history, Corey? Tell me. Zero. Never. They have never beaten the Jimtown Jimmies. 
And now Jimtown goes down to Death Valley. Now, we saw Valley last night or last week on TV 46 against South Bend Washington. I think that defense is pretty solid. They've got a nice running game with Jaden Conley and Dakota Gaff. They've got a solid quarterback in Tanner Trapiti. Here's a stat to remember as you keep an eye on this game tonight. When Jimtown rushes for 250 yards or more, they are 6-0. When they rush for less than 250 yards, they are 0-4. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the Jimmies need to be able to run the football to win the game, and we'll see if they can do that down in Death Valley. Let me hit the pause button so you can catch your breath. Chuck is on Twitter at 46 Sports. Got polls running loud and proud today. How's that Jimtown Valley? 75% of the votes go to Jimtown. Mm-hmm. 82% of the votes go to Marion. Back to you. All right. Let's go into 4A now. Northwood at Leo. Northwood 7-3. and three. Leo is 9-1, and one, but there's some questions about the competition level that Leo has played this year. And quite frankly, Northwood has been playing really well in games where they're not on TV 46. <laughs> I, you know, I, I hate to say it that way, but the two games we've had them on TV 46 this year – not so good for the Panthers. Everything else, they're 7-1. and one. Well, this game isn't on 46, so Nate Andrews shouldn't have anything to worry about, right? If they can beat Leo, then they would probably draw East Noble in the sectional final. Also in 4A tonight, you got St. Joe going to Plymouth. got Culver Academy at New Prairie. That game intrigues me a little bit. New Prairie loves to run the option. The key to stopping the option, stay disciplined. Well, who's going to stay more disciplined than a military academy? And they've got a player that's going to Iowa by the name of Deontay Craig, who is a superb defensive end. Can he keep the state's third-leading rusher and chase Ketterer under control? Something to watch tonight in New Carlisle. Let's jump up to 6A. Penn and Portage, I don't think that's any problem for the Kingsmen playing at TCU Freed Field. The game that's intriguing in that sectional is Warsaw at 7-3, and three, or 7-2, and two, excuse me, going to Chesterton 6-3. and three. Contrast and styles. Ooh, that's a long bus ride. It is. <laughs> Holy cow. And, and that's one of the things that concerns me for Bart Curtis's team. You know, you hop on the bus and you've got that long ride and you can lose some intensity. That's actually a time change game. Yes. Ooh, wow. So you can lose some intensity on that bus ride. You can be all fired up to go to Chesterton. By the time you get there, it's like, why are we here? Yeah. It's all <laughs> about the playlist. Warsaw loves to ground and pound. They've got... Uh, Juan Jaramillo, they've got uh, Blake Marsh, they've got Wyatt Amos. Chesterton loves to throw the ball around. They've got a good sophomore quarterback in Matt Cullen who's thrown for 22 touchdowns this year. So this is uh, something has to give game. The winner gets pen, and the winner gets pen on their home field in the sectional final. Now, let's drop down to 5A. One game to keep an eye on tonight. Well, Goshen plays Fort Wayne Northrop in Goshen. It has not been a good year for the Red Hawks, and quite frankly, I'm not sure it straightens out tonight, but we'll see. Good luck to Kyle Park and his team. Mishawaka entertains Elkhart Memorial. The Cavemen better not be looking ahead. Don't get deceived by Memorial's record. This is a team that can put some points on the board. They've got some weapons with quarterback Tyler Laner and Derek Woods Jr., Tyron Mason, don't be surprised if Memorial gives Mishawaka all it wants over at Steel Stadium tonight. But the game that we'll have for you on TV 46 is no doubt the best matchup of the weekend. 
Number six Concord makes that little five-mile pilgrimage up to Rice Field and plays number eight Elkhart Central. Last year, I'll be honest with you, Central got all kinds of salty on social media, and it really fired up the Concord team, and they pulled off an upset. Craig Kaler told me Central was flat-out more talented than we were last year, but we found a way to beat them. So now the Blue Blazers at home looking for revenge. Let's hear from the coaches. Let's start with Josh Shattuck. Josh, what do you see as the keys to win tonight against the Minutemen? Concord has been a passing team. We know that, and conventional wisdom might say that we need to stop the pass. Uh, we feel pretty good defensively. If we can stop their run game, make them one-dimensional in the throw game, that really bodes well for us with the way that we play defense. Um, you know, we might give up some chunk plays here or there, but it'll be hard for the, any team really to move the ball in the passing game consistently without being able to run it. And then the second thing is we need to be able to run the ball against them. Um, we have to be able to move the ball on the ground. Um, we got to find creative ways to do that because they're pretty good. Um, they're, they're really good defensively. Then the third thing is we can't turn the ball over. Um, you know, we feel good if we can play the field position game, even if we don't score, let our punter uh, do his thing and flip the field and make them earn 70, 80-yard drives. So there's his response. Let me turn and ask Craig Kaler the same question. The Concord boss now in his fifth year. Craig, what's the key to beating this Elkhart Central team? Obviously, 23 is a problem. We're going to have we're gonna have to um, get a lot of helmets to him. He's too good of a player to be in a bunch of one-on-one situations. Um, but then uh, what really, when we put the film on, what really sticks out is their fronts on both sides. They're very, very good. Um, so, you know, we got we got to be able to hang in there up front to be in position to win the game late um, because there's there's been several games, um, you know, some of, the, some of the film that we've watched, um, that they overwhelm their opponent up front mm-hmm. on both sides. So that's that's certainly concerning. Um, they're they're the most talented team we will have played today. So, um, yeah, they, they present a lot of challenges. So there you have it. Facebook Live tonight at 7 on TV 46 tonight, 11 tomorrow morning at 9. Woo, Corey, this one is a head knocker. You got voting going on at Chuck's Twitter page at 46 Sports. I'll go with uh, Elkhart Central. And so will 63% of the votes. You know what I've got to put up there? Yes. I've got to put up some Michigan games because we have some district semifinals in Michigan tonight. You're wearing your Edwardsburg Eddies hoodie tonight. Will you be there at Leo Hoffman Field to back the Eddies against the St. Joe Bears, a team that you loathe because you went to Lakeshore High School? I'm thinking about it. Well, I'll tell you what. This will be a game where running the football is key, and who runs it better than the Edwards Burgettis? I mean, they've got that massive offensive line. They're nine and zero on the year. Uh, they take on a St. Joe team, and oh, by the way, there's a little side storyline in this game. You see, the former head coach at St. Joe is a fellow by the name of Gandalf Church. He was the head coach there last year, and you know where Gandalf Church is now? Where he's the defensive coordinator at Edwardsburg. You know what I hear his favorite phrase is. You shall not pass! And maybe he'll be saying that to the St. Joe Bears tonight as Edwardsburg takes on St. Joe. Now, that's in Division Three. Let's drop down to Division Five. Brandywine, uh, or excuse me, in Division Five, I think it's Berrien Springs is at home against Cal United. Dowajak goes up to play Hopkins. Home teams will be favored. They got the home field because they had better playoff points, so they're considered to be the better team. Division 6, I find this game very intriguing. Brandywine takes on Constantine. 
Brandywine averages 50 points a game. Constantine averages 40 points a game. Wow. Last year in the playoffs, Corey, Brandywine scored 50 and lost by 36. Wow. I mean, it's... That where's, was, where's that game at? That game is at Selge Field on the campus of Brandywine High School. Oh, wow. Okay. Just so, over the state line. Yeah. Maybe maybe if you don't go to Edwardsburg, maybe you go over and see a little Bobcat football with Mike Nate. Mike Nate, by the way, coaching last week against Buchanan, got... Um, well, he got slobber-knockered over on the sidelines and uh, had to be patched up and continued coaching in the game. So the headline in the local paper said, Brandywine tough, so is coach. <laughs> you are looking live. 21 followers away from 9,000 on Twitter. Well, I want to put that on the maniacs. Hey, you maniacs, if you're out there listening and you're not a follower of 46 Sports, you need to become one because we keep you also informed throughout the week. Uh, one more game I want to talk about, and that's Kessopolis and White Pigeon. A couple of Southwest 10 rivals. Kessopolis won in the regular season. They meet in the Division 8 playoffs tonight up in Kessopolis. All right. Let's segue to the NFL, and let me just uh, say this. The 49ers. Jimmy wow. Garoppolo uh, is having a monster season. In fact, if if you look back, and this photo pops up on my Twitter feed every now and then, it used to be the, the New England Patriots in their quarterback cachet had Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jacoby Brissett. Well, here we are at about the midpoint of the NFL season, and those three quarterbacks have lost a combined total of two games this year. Jimmy Garoppolo throws four touchdown passes last night, and San Francisco then holds off a furious Arizona comeback in the fourth quarter to win 28-25. The surprising Niners are still unblemished in the NFL. Now, who do you want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about the first-place Colts with Jacoby Brissett? Let's do it. They go to Pittsburgh this weekend. Now, this is the first time in about a month that they've been outside the friendly confines of Lucas Oil Stadium, and for that matter, that they've been outside. So let's see how the Colts react to a road game in always a raucous atmosphere at Heinz Field and how they handle Mike Tomlin's team who desperately needs a win to keep its playoff hopes alive. You ever been to that neck of the woods? Yeah, I have. I've not watched a Steelers game at Heinz Field, but I've I've been by there. And, and man, in Pittsburgh, there is nothing bigger than the Steelers. The Pirates are a distant second, maybe even third, behind the Penguins. It's the one place on the planet where I know, because I've seen it, they sell the Heinz ketchup logo on a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bears. Bears are in Philadelphia. Boy, Matt Nagy, what a couple of weeks he's had. And the Wolves are howling in Chicago. Oh, boy. Matt Nagy last week before the game told us he's not an idiot. And then he didn't run the ball to get his kicker closer from 41 yards at the end of the game, made his kicker kick a 41-yard field goal, which I realize an NFL kicker should be able to make. Mm -hmm. But he had missed one earlier in the game. And maybe that was in his head. He doinked one off the right upright earlier, so he puts a little hook on this one and misses left, and the Bears lost to a bad L.A. Chargers team. How bad are the L.A. Chargers? They won the game and still fired their offensive coordinator after the game. 
That's how bad the Chargers are. So Why do these Bears games come down to kicking? It always comes down to because kicking. Because Matt Nagy has no confidence in Mitch Trubisky whatsoever. Oh, that showed many times in the game. Look how many times the Bears got in the red zone last Sunday and failed to punch it in. One time it's third and nine and they hand the ball to Tariq Cohen. He ain't running nine yards on third and nine. Come on, man. So Matt Nagy may need to tell us he's not an idiot again, but the evidence is starting to build on the other side of that argument. <laughs> we did Colts. We did Bears. Lions. They're in Oakland to take on our boy John Gruden and the Raiders. Raiders are 500 right now. Uh, the Lions are sitting there, I believe, at 3-4-1. and one. And so must game for the Lions if they want to keep any segment of playoff hopes alive, or semblance, I should say, of playoff hopes alive. You know what we don't do enough on this little podcast is give back. I mean, we provide a program, but we need to give Chuck Freebie. What are you talking about? Uh, Notre Dame and Tennessee, the ladies, yeah, the women. That is a Monday night game on November 11th, That's Veterans right. Day. 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. at Purcell Pavilion. We yes. have tickets. We do. We do. How about this? If you'd like to win in the subject line, what should we do? What should we do? Ooga Luga? Well, subject line uh, should say uh, ND tickets. All right. And then you should be able to tell us who this episode was dedicated to. Oh, boy. Okay. Who the episode was dedicated to in the subject line, ND tickets, obviously your email, your uh, information. We'll send them to yeah. you. We'll send them to you. Yeah. Give us an address. Then. Yeah. And uh, the email that you're going to send that to is the sports yak with two K's. Two K's at gmail.com. The sports yak with two K's at gmail.com. Let's give them uh, till next Wednesday. Sounds good to me. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, you have aired out everything I think you're supposed to air out. I just want to touch on high school soccer real quick. It's state championship weekend. The Argus Dragons, good luck to Todd Vanderweel's team. They take on Indianapolis Lutheran tonight at Fishers High School. And then tomorrow, the St. Joe Indians, under the coaching of Alberto Vetramo, they go down and take on... Uh, Evansville Memorial in the 2A state championship game. So it would be great to be talking on Monday about a state champion from this area. If you're a total sports yak maniac, this is where you hit the pause button and you move on to better things. (laughs) If you like your sports and you like pop culture and you like Star Wars and you want to know more about the friendship, Chuck Freebie, between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. You stay right here. Right now. George is slouched down in a chair behind his sound mixer. Fox had asked him to do an Italian language dub of the film. So he's painfully revisiting the scenes he couldn't wait to forget. He looks exhausted, dark circles under his eyes. His hair was longer, scraggly, and a streak of gray peeked through his beard, just to either side of his chin. George leaned his chair against the back wall, where the light wasn't so bright, trying to disguise his anxiety in the shadows. That's great, too. Okay, and just the last bit right here. There's an overwhelming feeling of insecurity revisiting his film now, and lots of second-guessing himself. Is this really all I have to show for $11 million? Maybe Brian De Palma was right. 
Should have just done another little comedy. Ah, oh, never work in movies again. Matt Schrader, how are you? Hey there, good morning. It is morning, yes. I'm in Los Angeles. Matt, we're going to get to talking about this uh, amazing podcast that I've quickly become a fan of, but I want to talk a little backstory, if that's okay. Of course. The Emmy Award-winning Matt Schrader on the phone, if I might say. <laughs> yes. Tell me about investigative reporting. I, I found that fascinating when I read that about you. I grew up kind of wanting to go into journalism and got kind of bitten by the investigative bug, which is, you know, all of the uh, all of the deep dive stuff. It's not just going out and reporting what's going on. It's going out and finding, digging into old records and trying to find, you know, the actual history of things and kind of uncover some of the things that, that are lost usually or that most reporters don't have time to, to access before they have to write up a story or put together a story. And uh, I really found that fulfilling because there's, there's a lot of information out there and a lot of times the, the story that you're told is not the, the real thing. And that's kind of what I loved about the investigative thing. And sure enough, that was a skill that translates into so many things today in kind of researching, you know, the backstories of, uh, of so many kind of iconic people. There's kind of the myth of, of who certain icons become. I'm thinking of the George Lucas types and Steven Spielberg. There's all the myths surrounding them, but I think my skill set really kind of translated my experience to, to going back and, and putting together how things actually unfolded early in their lives because, you know, they started out as regular people. I remember a very specific Saturday morning. I had no plans. I got up. I was uh, flipping through iTunes movies on my on my Apple TV, and I saw a documentary for 99 cents. And I was like, oh, hey, I love documentaries. But then I saw it was called Score, and I love movie soundtracks. And before this conversation, Matt, I had no idea that you were involved in that. So congratulations. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. It was so well well done and such great content. I loved it. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. We we uh, I, I directed that film a couple of years ago, and we started out interviewing film composers because most people, including myself, and I always considered myself a big soundtrack fan, you can think of how many famous movie scores there are. Um, and, you know, you can just probably anybody can rattle off five or six of their favorites, you know, the Indiana Jones theme and the James Bond theme and, you know, the Dark Knight and uh, the social network and, you know, some of these really interesting kind of sounds, not to mention all the greats from, from the 70s and, uh, and, and early 80s as well. You know, you have Star Wars, of course, and Jaws and everything, all the great Hitchcock, you know, Alfred Hitchcock movies with uh, Bernard Herrmann. And there's such a huge history there that I think everyone kind of knows but there wasn't a documentary about it yet. So we went out and interviewed 50 or so different composers. And, and sure enough, they traced all of their influences back through, you know, the last half century. So it was a really fun kind of roller coaster ride through the last half century of film scores that we were able to kind of piece together. And it was a really, really fun documentary. If you are a casual fan or you are a, uh, a lover of it and were forced to be in high school band and symphony, <laughs> there is something for everyone in that documentary. Who's your favorite uh, composer of the soundtracks? Oh, well, I got to say Hans Zimmer. It, it was uh, surreal walking in and uh, into his studio, and he has this kind of red Victorian-style, you know, velvet-lined room that he does a lot of his 
his work in um, in his studio that's in Santa Monica. And we went down there, and it's amazing to, you know, be sitting across from somebody. And then after our, our interview, he kind of invited us to just hang out for a little bit. We thought, this guy is going to be remembered for hundreds of years just to kind of be in the in, in the space of all of that. You know, the, the guy that did Rain Man, and he did Crimson Tide and Gladiator and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and, and uh, The Dark Knight and, you know, Inception. Like, all of these great pieces of, of not just films, but these pieces of music that are going to last so long was just a really cool thing. So I think probably our experience meeting Hans Zimmer is, was my favorite part. Well, I'm a, a lifelong Star Wars fan, so someone turned me on to Blockbuster. Yeah. Being a fellow podcaster, here's what I love, Matt, about these six episodes. It wasn't just you behind a microphone telling me a story and breaking it into you know, six 25-minute segments. It was the dramatization, the narration, the sound effects, the uh, soundtrack. I think he used the word immersion quite a bit, and I, I've i gone twice through. I loved it, Matt. It, it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I realized this while I was directing score. Backstory between Steven Spielberg and John Williams and how that connected with what George Lucas was doing. And of course, the, the arguably the most iconic movie that came out of that era is Star Wars, which a lot of people consider to be the first blockbuster, although Jaws came out shortly before that. And, uh, and I started to, to see all these connections, how Steven and George were friends, you know, before their success, before their careers really took off, before there was ever a chance for them to become a household name that people might recognize. And the really interesting and unique thing was they supported each other's projects. They would go visit each other on set and they would say, listen, buddy, I know nobody else believes in you, but I think you're doing something really cool. You know, they famously traded two and a half percent of Star Wars for two and a half percent of Close Encounters. Of course, both movies were big hits, but Star Wars became the biggest hit of all time. So that you could argue really helped Steven Spielberg, you know, acquire the money that he needed to be able to take on all of these kind of dream projects that he did all throughout the 80s. And then, of course, the whole Indiana Jones chapter, where this this ends up being a collaboration between the two. And uh, all of the 1980s, we now kind of think of as the kind of Spielbergian era. You know, even kids that didn't grow up in that era are seeing Stranger Things, which is, is clearly picking up on some of the signatures that Spielberg kind of first put in and E.T. and, you know, parts of these great films of the 1980s. So it, it was an interesting kind of story for Blockbuster to be able to kind of trace back because we can see the start of so much of world culture that, that was planted right at that moment. I loved what you did in the podcast where you, you kind of gave, well, you did, you gave us the headspace that both of these guys were in, and it kind of helped me as a lifelong fan kind of understand a little bit better the pressure, the us against them. You also, Matt, the character of, of John Williams in the whole process of, you know, his backstory and what led him to the soundtrack. I loved I love just kind of knowing what they were going through in their personal lives and what ended up transferring into their work. It's really interesting to me because I always thought of Spielberg and George Lucas and John Williams as as names and almost as brands. 
You know, you think of them as because they're so well known for certain things that they've done over their careers. But, you know, part of the challenge here was these are real people. And we wanted to try to give, you know, a little bit of their kind of humanizing backstory. You know, John Williams goes through this this terrible tragedy when he's kind of, you know, a jazz pianist turned working composer on some kind of smaller projects. You know, he ends up crediting this for really changing his entire outlook when it comes to writing music. And all of the things we know John Williams for are pretty much happen after that point. And it, it's really interesting because it's, it's real life kind of getting in the way of what it, it seems like it's a huge kind of inconvenience at the time, but there's such greatness that ends up being so influential across the world, across all languages even, that really just kind of transcends all of that. But it does come out of this really, you know, real human moment that most people have never heard of. The podcast is called Blockbuster. I highly encourage you to check out season one. Matt, final question. What can you tell us about season two? Season two. Well, we just finished a script for this, and uh, I can't tell you much. I, I will say that it, it picks up where the first season left off. We're fortunate to have a partner that's going to help us kind of distribute the podcast more more widely, which is even even better because we already got some some really good press and traction for season one. But that'll really help it out a little bit further. And the great thing is season two, we're going from a six episode kind of limited series that we did in season one and we'll have a whole 10 part series. So it should be, you know, there's opportunity for a lot more depth, a lot more kind of excitement and covering a little more ground and uh and also kind of the the human emotion behind these kind of iconic you know movies that that i think we all know and and these entertainment moments that happen that i guarantee you people are familiar with but they don't know the backstories behind these and the kind of amazing way that it all came together so be sure to uh be sure to subscribe check out blockbuster on uh all your favorite podcast platforms once again, congratulations on Score. Blockbuster is a fantastic podcast, so worthy of your next road trip or whatever, and uh, it's so great, Matt. And I appreciate the few minutes today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as my friend Chuck would say, and there, there it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. ND tickets in the subject line to The Sports Yak with two Ks at gmail.com. Uh, Notre Dame in Tennessee, November 11th at Purcell Pavilion. Get there early. And, of course, if you can't make it, you can hear every Irish women's basketball game home and away on Pulse FM. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode, much like this one right here. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Icebox Chamberlain. You've been listening to Sports Yak, brought to you by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic Events available at und.com slash buy tickets. And buy Pyramid Equipment. Think Pyramid Equipment for your snowplow needs, sales, services, and installations of residential and commercial grade snowplows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid offers military, police, and firemen's discounts. Find us, PyramidEquipmentInc.com. Everybody get out of here, there's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose.